Hello, welcome back to Take Orally. And this episode is on paediatric status epilepticus, and in particular, a rather interesting trial that uh, was published earlier this year, the Eclipse trial. Uh, to take us through that, we have paediatric uh, A&E consultant, Colin Gilhooley. Hello, Colin. Hi there, pleasure to be here. Thank you for coming. Um, as ever, all information is correct at the time we are recording this. Um, any and all uh, guidelines mentioned are correct for Nottingham University Hospitals NHS Trust. Uh, and any um, views expressed are Colin's or mine. Um, so Colin, um, we should probably do another podcast at another point focusing just on seizures in kids. Yeah. Because there's uh, febrile convulsions and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but this one we're going to be looking, we're going to look solely at status epilepticus and then, as we said, this, this eclipse trial, which here at, at the QMC we were involved in and I know has received a lot of interest internationally and it's been all across social media. Um, shall we start by just sort of really defining status epilepticus and talking yeah. about status epilepticus in kids particularly. Yeah. Um, so um, I was a bit of a geek at med schools, you could probably guess. Uh, <laughs> status epilepticus was one of those fun phrases I quite liked learning, you know, it sounds quite cool to say. Yeah. Um, but what is status epilepticus? So status epilepticus is the most common paediatric neurological emergency worldwide mm. um, and it's defined as a prolonged seizure lasting greater than five minutes. Okay. Uh, you'll notice uh, that we've had an algorithm mm -hmm. uh, for status epilepticus in paediatric science, but the paediatric status protocol really hasn't changed for quite a long time now. Mm. And as such, this was an exciting trial in that it wanted to look at how we change and the drugs which we use specifically. Mm. Other points of interest within this trial are that it was uh, a very large, open, multi-centered uh, randomized trial. There was a similar trial with a similar um, recruitment strategy done in Australia at the same time called the CONCEPT trial and actually was published in The Lancet alongside this journal. Sure. Um, and it was a deferred consent trial. So one of the first large trials in the UK in children in which uh, they were randomised, the treatment was given and then consent was sought from the parents afterwards. Mm. So there was quite a few interesting points in this trial. Sure, cool. Um, and I've been practising how to say this drug, levotiracetam. Levotiracetam. Uh, best just call it Kepra. Um, other, <laughs> other brands are available, I'm sure. Uh, so yeah, so uh, state surplus, as you said, uh, most common, uh, and the second most common reason for an unplanned PICU admission in yeah. the UK. Um, mortality low, but due to hypoxia yeah. and brain injury, yeah. there is a lot of um, morbidity attached to it. Absolutely. Um, and the link is that the longer you are seizing, the greater your risk, risk. of exactly damage that. afterwards. Exactly so obviously that. you want to terminate this seizure as soon as possible. Yes. And alongside that, the longer a seizure lasts, the harder it is to terminate. Ah, I did not know that. So they go mm. alongside each other, so more risk that of damage and harder to stop. Cool. Um, and usually, um, 
the first sign treatment I'm writing thinking is a couple of doses of benzodiazepines yeah. or so, whatever that child, if they are known to have seizures, they usually have a, a rescue remedy, don't they? But yeah, whatever that so is. some children may not have responded to the standard uh, status protocol and so might have had specific agents put in place for sure. them. Sure. But the standard national guideline is uh, benzodiazepine, wait cool. 10 minutes, give a second benzodiazepine, wait 10 minutes, cool. and then consider phenytoin. That was the cool. current guideline. Yeah, so then phenytoin was our second line. Yeah. And then if that didn't work, it's RSI tube, Correct. off you go to sleep. Yeah, and there's some uh, stuff written in there about considering um, peraldehyde, okay. especially if uh, IV access is a problem. Cool. Okay. Um, so this was looking, uh, so this is the Eclipse trial yeah. we are talking about, so should, I'm not sure if we called its name yet. Uh, the official title is from The Lancet in earlier this year, uh, from April 17th, Levetiracetam versus Phenytoin for second line treatment of pediatric convulsive status epilepticus, bracket, Eclipse, uh, colon, a multi-center, open label, randomized trial. Cool. Uh, and this involved uh, an uh, uh, 1,432 patients were assessed um, with 152 allocated to levetiracetam, 134 to phenytoin. So lots of, of it's a people. big multi-center trial. Lots of big multi-center trial. Um, and what did they what did they find? What was what was um, the finding? They found that neither drug was superior. Smashing. Mm -hmm. Um, which might not seem like very much, it might seem disappointing, but actually um, there was no statistically significant differences mm. in um, cessation of seizures with either particular drug. Okay. Uh, and so... So Kepra is no better but no worse than phenytoin? Correct. Yeah. Okay. And so therefore the inverse is also true, phenytoin is no worse but no better than Kepra. Yeah. Um, and so, um, from that point of view, you can then debate whether you think that that means we should change the drug or not. Mm. That's an interesting conversation. So phenytoin is an old drug, mm. okay? It has side effects, okay? Uh, especially in terms of cardiac arrhythmias. Uh, and so the question is, is, is Kepra um, potentially a safer drug? Mm. Uh, and as such, if it's as effective, Mm. or there's no statistically significant difference between the two, should we therefore move to that drug? Mm. Or should it be included and make it a clinician's choice? Yeah. Um, and all of those things are currently up for debate. This trial has obviously come out quite recently. Yeah. And so it will take a time for this to filter through and mm. lead itself into mm. how it changes guidelines and clinical practice. And was this... Um reflected in the concept trial as well, did they find Absolutely, from they Australia? find exactly the same. And I think what we'll find is that as those two trials uh, from a, a methodology point of view were reasonably similar, mm. uh, that we might find a meta-analysis coming out of that in the future mm. to help, um, help uh, us understand more uh, in an even bigger trial about um, whether there was definitely no st statistically significant difference. Cool. Uh, and so you, you you mentioned sort of side effect profile. Mm. So sh what 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 are the downsides of phenytoin then? Why you said this was the old treatment? Yeah. Um, so what what are the downsides there? So I think in terms of it's known to cause cardiac arrhythmias, mm -hmm. and there have been in the past cases where phenytoin has been responsible for the death 
or has been implicated in the death of children or presenting sure. with status epilepticus. So from that point of view, um, it is a drug which is potentially not as clean, for mm. want of a better word, mm. as, um, as potentially Kepra. Mm. Uh, the flip side of that is Kepra or Levoteracetam is a newer drug, so maybe we just haven't used it for as long. Okay. And so maybe we need to understand how it works in children a bit better sure. before we start to make those changes. Sure. I know, so in adults here, um, the move was made, I think, a year ago. Yeah. Phenytoin was no longer the second line, it yeah. was Kepra, yeah. uh, became the, the first choice second line drug. Yeah. Um, uh, and sodium valparate mm-hmm. is also being considered as well, unless you were a, a female of childbearing age or yeah. you had liver disease, in which case phenytoin then comes back Thank into you. it. So you can, this is, I th- and primarily part of that was the fact that if you're on phenytoin, you need cardiac monitoring, so you therefore it's a bed issue as yeah. well with that, as, as, as well as yeah. you said, the side effect profile. Cool. Um, were you involved in any cases of this? Did so you I recruited to this trial. Marvellous. Do you want um, to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so it's, as I say, uh, from a recruitment point of view, it's interesting in terms of uh, they were randomised in the emergency department. We had two treatments, both of which we know work, mm. um, but we, the question was which one works better. Sure. Uh, so in terms of that, the child was always being given an agent which we knew could stop status epilepticus. Mm. Um, but um, without taking consent from a patient or their parents prior to giving the drug, which was my first experience of that. Yeah. Um, uh, but something, uh, when the feedback, when it's been discussed with parents, was actually uh, not really a concern from the parents' point of view. The way they saw mm. it was they were, their child was getting a drug. Yeah, which could placebo work. involved. Exactly. And therefore, you just wanted, to, we were trying to find out which one works better. And yeah. actually, overwhelmingly, parents were actually very much in support of that mm. uh, and that's a really uh, good outcome from this trial on its own from that point of view is that um, deferred consent in the emergency department is an acceptable way to conduct research mm. and as such gives us a way of looking at more clinical questions like this where yeah. there are two agents in place you cool. know this is con- this is recruiting to a trial of a true emergency mm. in an emergency situation yeah uh, and the trial worked. Recruitment was excellent. Yeah. Um, and so it kind of gives us a platform uh, going forward for, for potentially how to uh, conduct further trials, which excellent. is very exciting. Excellent. And um, were you involved in that discussion with any pair? With the parents? I wasn't. We or left it up to our research nurses. Oh, okay. You know, Jamie here, we've got a fabulous we do. team of research nurses that work in the emergency department. So they were responsible for the deferred consent. Okay. Um, and as I say, the feedback from that is actually hugely positive. And so we've obviously seen that there wasn't much of a difference in terms of the primary outcome. There's a lot of secondary analysis going on with the paper, having a look at things, because there's a lot of information that was collected as part of this. Uh, some of those questions about what drugs were given pre-hospital, yeah, uh, and the time of the seizure starting was collected, the time of their arrival into hospital, the time of the paramedic crew on site, all of those things are known, so we can see um, how people gave drugs pre-hospital, we can see how long it took them to give the drug, get them drawn up and get them into the patient and see where the delays are in this. So I think there's a a whole body of research coming out of this trial with more that will actually influence the status protocol going forward. 
cool. One of the things about the status protocol in children, Jamie, is uh, that it's different from the Australian one. Okay. So the time between the benzodiazepines in Australia is five minutes. Okay. And our time is ten minutes. Okay. And so I think what we'll probably see is actually even within that ten minutes, it probably takes longer for them to get into the patient. Mm. And so the question with this is that while this hasn't shown a difference, it's kind of refocused us on status and has asked us, well, where do we go next? This is a guideline that hasn't changed for a long time. Yeah. Is there things we can change now? Do we need to consider the order? Yeah. Do we consider when we give specific drugs? Do we need yeah. to uh, change our pre-hospital drugs? Should it be two doses of benzo? Should we be giving ambulance crews different drugs? Could they have uh, um, levotiracetin? in the back of an ambulance, could that be an option to give instead? Uh, are there other agents that we use? So, you know, coming out of the Twitter discussions on this paper was, why don't you just give um, propofol? Okay. You know, uh, give it early, give it quick. We know we, the two things we talked about earlier was um, the longer it lasts, the more chances of uh, brain damage. Yeah. And the harder it is to treat. So just, just stop it. Straight. Stop it as fast as you can. There's obviously huge implications to that, but the question is about where do we go from this? And I think this will be a slow look at how we look at the, mm. the drugs that we give mm. and looking to update this policy. And I think this might well just be the start. We know yeah. we've got a trial template almost for deferred consent for how it would work. Yeah. And it's just about ironing out what part of the question we could potentially an ask next. Is it going to five minutes between benzos? Is it adding another drug in earlier, like levetiracetam? Is it the use of actually completely different drugs? So propofol, ketamine, you know, they're all out there. And so hopefully going forward, there could be some uh, more questions being raised about this and some more research being done, which uh, is exciting. The thing that sort of strikes me when I look at it, it's uh, the participants they went a range from six months mm. to 18 just under 18 years yeah that's a huge variation in in not just well in age but physiology and, and massive that, differences that, that, so it shows the thing of pediatric research versus adult research because yep. you could argue that you know 18 year difference there but if you had an 18 year old versus a 36 year old how much is actually different yep. whereas between a six month and an 18 there's quite a lot of difference and so that's where you have to say um be realistic about well that's the treatment that they get currently yeah and there is that massive physiological difference the potential causes of seizures could be massively different and therefore maybe different agents would be needed but that's not realistic so this is about um, having something that works in practice uh, and a, I think a seizure a status epilepticus guideline for every single for less than ones one to fives fives would be incredibly difficult and likely cause patient safety issues in terms of people being put on the wrong wall and not having to remember so much yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah you're right the physiology is, is huge the potential causes are hugely different yeah. um, but that is paediatrics in a nutshell. Well, that's, that's kind of the point I wanted yeah. to make there, I think, just to sort of emphasise that. Um, and then I suppose I just want to finish wrapping up, really, with thinking, because we've been mentioning this thing about being significantly superior. Yes. And I think this is something that gets lost because I think in... In layman's terms, significant yeah. means something completely different to in yeah, research terms. Yeah. Um, 
So if you say to somebody in the street, there is a significant difference. Yeah. They are expecting night versus day. That, yeah. that's, that's, you know, whereas in research, you're talking about a 5% yeah. chance that this happened by reason, a p-value of yeah. 0.05, essentially, Absolutely. which is nothing. Yes. Which, which, so that, I think that's a point worth emphasizing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, it's important when you look at, especially comparing drug trials about everything in this trial was set up to be, to be, to meet the minimum standards for, for what it means when you're comparing two drugs. Okay? Yeah. So there are, and when you compare them about saying what, what difference do I want to see, what difference do I expect to see between two drugs in order to calculate your sample sizes, uh, it obviously gets reasonably complex with the statistics. But mm. um, I think the good thing to say is this was a very robust trial. Yeah. Um, and there's some lovely infographics that have already been produced mm. by this. Um, so there's one from Don't Forget the Bubbles, uh, which I'm sure you could share a link to, Absolutely. which kind of highlights the, the main uh, uh, outcomes of the, of the trial. Sweet. And um, just as yourself, you're, you're, you're a consultant in pediatric mm -hmm. emergency medicine, as we know. Um, what do you think will happen? Has it changed your practice? I know we're talking very much as yeah. guideline driven, so yeah. whatever the guidelines say, we, we follow in pediatric emergency medicine. But do you do you think that this will change? I things? think it probably will with time, uh, Jamie. I think we'll see slowly uh, as moving towards uh, using levetiracetam more and more. There's no real difference in terms of cost, so um, so I think we probably will move towards it. But I think. In terms of how the guidelines change, that will probably take years. Years. Fair enough. Cool. Uh, thank you very much, Colin. Thank you very and, much. Um, and I will put the um, the Lancet link. It's all available, so yes. I'll, I'll put that on the blog entry for this podcast at takeorally.com. Uh, as ever, you can subscribe to Take Orally uh, at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud. We are on Facebook, Twitter, or on Instagram. Um, and remember, NUH Dream is also on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you so much, Colin. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. Bye bye.